Welcome to Rice is Rice, a podcast about the British East Asian experience where we talk about all things Asian and not. I'm Akina. I'm Connor. I'm Jem. And I'm Christy. And I like to play with like the rice grains, like a classic Asian child. Oh. Uh, I love like when you just get a full sack and and push your hand all the way it's in just, and it's like you don't know pure yeah. joy until you just like watch your hand sink amongst the rice grains i, I never did this oh my what i don't think i ever did what this you never kid. did this what? do it now i feel like i'm not like <laughs> asian because i i didn't do that like i'd make rice and i did enjoy it but i never had like um a need as a kid to like put my hand in it because i remember akina mentioning it before in the script that she'd written and i was like mm, yeah i didn't do that so i thought it was an akina thing but you do it too yeah. it's a universal thing <laughs> no, across like, the world yeah the lure <laughs> of the rice grains you just you just pop your hand in and it disappears <laughs> i saw i think i saw a tiktok the other day about like a kid he's like sneakily like looking around opening like whatever bucket your family holds the rice in and just like sticks his hand in and then he has like like a really ecstasy filled <laughs> face when he does it <laughs> honestly though it does feel great but i love that you brought that up because it, it's proof that i'm not the weird one gem you're the weird gem you are the weird one that. man yeah i can't believe now i have it it's such a simple am i asian we don't know <laughs> Do I need to take your place on the podcast? Who knows? <laughs> I'm coming for your job. Yeah. So I won't be outnumbered by Filipinos now. Uh, yeah. Today, we're having a rice of poetry and the come up. You've already heard the voice of our guest today. Um, Connor, do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah. Welcome, Christy Koo. Or, Hello. Um, what is your handle? Uh, Kookadoodles. It's, it's derived from what a childhood it? like nickname because like obviously my surname is oh. Christy Koo. So people kept calling me Kookadoodle-doo. And I just shortened it to Kookadoodles for the interwebs. <laughs> <Cute>. <laughs> I love that. Is, that. is that a childhood nickname in jest or is it like... No, kind no, of, no. like offensive. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was uh, a friend thing. Oh, okay. It's, okay. it's not like um, what's that new Netflix film when they call her? Oh, Ch- Ch- um, Ch- uh, Ch- is it in the half of it? Yeah, half of it. I haven't seen I haven't it. Yet. Seen it. I don't Yeah, it's it's. Uh, the uh, main character is called Ellie Chu. Yeah, uh-huh. and she works in a train station, so kids at her school go like chug a choo choo to her. Honestly, <laughs> it's quite a good joke. <laughs> it's, it's quite a good part. It's 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 quite a cute scenic name ish. I don't know. Yeah, but it's not it's not it's supposed to, yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be mean. Um but yeah. So basically we know each other as online people because that's what kids do nowadays. Yes. They don't make real friends. Nope. We only talk to people through ones and zeros online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's us. And like this is actually yep. our first time actually speaking. <laughs> like I, yeah. But, yeah, so do you want like a photographer poet um audio editor i think as well like some stuff I was, um, yeah i do a lot of things there are many many hyphens yeah. it's it's a long list it's quite tiring <laughs> poetry and photography are pretty different though how come you chose those two um like- i didn't so much choose it as just kind of fall into it so i do photography i do poetry I do a bit of podcasting work every now and then. I do a lot of performance stuff. I do do other things that don't all begin with P, by the way. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, well, well, I say that, and then I also do projects coordinating. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I think it's just all these different things are just things that I've been interested in and just have enjoyed doing. And then I've just developed my skills in each of them. And then they've become, like, income revenues, essentially. I love that about our generation um, in that it's becoming more of a norm to decide on on multiple arts, multiple skill sets that we want to dive into and equally be passionate about. We don't have to be defined by one occupation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're like, we are so multifaceted as people anyway. And I think there's just so many resources and opportunities now, particularly, that like if you're kind of interested in something, 
if you kind of work at it, you could, it could like lead to something more than like quote unquote just a hobby. Yeah. And I always meet employers who always like, uh, people are now looking for people who could do more than one thing. Mm. I don't think anyone specializes in one thing and gets jobs usually now because there's usually someone who can do something just as good as you plus another whole different discipline yep yep i mean like i, I remember being told at school like you know oh don't be a jack don't be a jack of all trades you got specialized in something and i was like but that's boring i don't want to do that yeah, yeah uh, they were wrong boring. kids they were wrong <laughs> yep <laughs> so i just want to like i don't know how did you get into creativeness because it's always interesting um yeah to hear people's journeys around it yeah, especially, especially as an Asian, like, and with your Asian background, how how do you fall into the creatives? Because I feel like all of us have a little rebel story of our own kind of thing, because we're outcast. always expected to go into this specific route mm. as a stereotype of being an Asian. Maybe, our, like, I'm not sure about your parents or your background of how, like, they might have guided you or whether it was all cool like it'd be yeah great to hear your story basically what's your origin story your origin story <laughs> it's either my superhero origin story my super villain origin story we don't know which path we'll take yet but we'll find out <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, um so i don't know i mean like i have always been inherently like creative like i never gave myself like that that, that label but like it's just like very much a part of who I am and how I think and how I process everything. Um, but my parents wanted me to be a lawyer and that was a whole thing. Same. Oh my days. Um, it, was a, it was a whole thing without getting like too much into it. Um, but I've always been very creative, like regardless. Like, um, I, I, so I started off as a short story writer. Um, I've throughout my teens I had quite a strong track record with um short story writing so when I was nine I got nominated for a national writing competition when I was 13 I was one of the 10 winners of another national writing competition with the Guardian wow. newspaper and Piccadilly Press I remember I was 13 when I was when I won it and everyone else was like 15 16 17 18 so like there was a massive age gap between myself and the they others they must have feel terrible about themselves <laughs> Yeah, and then oh, I if I was eighteen, I got beat up, and I got not beat up, and I got beat by a thirteen-year-old in writing. <laughs> God damn! You definitely <laughs> probably tore apart someone's self-esteem. There. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? You know, Jon Snow, the journalist. Yeah. yeah. A very, he wrote a very nice um, couple of sentences about me in my writing, like several years ago. I still have like, if you Google, oh, really? if you Google oh, Jon cool. Snow, the journalist, and then my name, um, the article will pop up. <laughs> Which I find really funny still. That's so cool. <laughs> he's like national treasure and he's yeah. casting, I feel he's, like. He's amazing. I remember meeting him and just having no idea what to say to him, though, because I was 13. <laughs> 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 and then throughout the rest of my teams, I had um, some success with like other writing competitions uh, on a national and also like a local level. And then I like retired to do my GCSEs, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> and then I got into poetry in my, yeah, I think as soon as I went to university, I joined both um, the Spoken Word Society that my friends had set up. And also I took a creative writing module where I actually learned how to like actually write poetry. And the two combined got me into mm -hmm. kind of the poetry side and writing side of things that i do now that's kind of like how things began but yeah so what did you actually study in uni so i studied english in the end um that oh, was okay. again a whole thing that that's okay they do <laughs> oh really um but yeah eventually it took it took a lot of tension and it took a lot just like a lot but um i managed to so the original like plan or goal for me was to like study law at Oxbridge and I ended up doing English oh, at Christ. Exeter. I I, I went oh. to I think I visited both Oxford and Cambridge on like school trips or open days and I just didn't like it. I really didn't like the environment. It's mm. incredibly high pressure and very academic mm. focused and I've always been like yeah. a very strong academic um person but i like had massively burnt out by the time i was in sixth form so the idea of going to such an intensive place where you don't ha even have enough time to have a part-time job and i'm from a low income mm. background so like that would have just been completely unfeasible for me to go to um so mm. like just 
in the end, like I knew it was best for me to not study law at Oxbridge. So to be burned out at sixth form, I feel like you're working like mad hours or like crazy hard or the pressure just like amounting to you. Yeah, the pressure the pressure was insane because like I think a lot of people relate to this, but like you like like again like A stars or whatever isn't good enough. It's it's a hundred percent or nothing. Like ninety nine percent is like why did you make that mistake, you know? Um, and you yeah. really hone in on it and like everything else is disregarded so it's 100% or nothing um, so like yeah by the time I was I remember doing my GCSEs and just consistently burning out for the last two years of like year 10 and 11 um, and then by the time I was in six forms um, I went to one that is it's a very good six form but it's um, very well known in the local area for um, being kind of like a you go there if you want to go to Oxbridge, basically, because um, mm. uh, like they're they're really fantastic education, um, but it's very intensive and very very academic focused. So mm. yeah. it sounds it sounds really like you had a lot of pushback on on that creative side throughout your teenage years, but it also sounds like you achieved so much in your writing throughout your teenage years. How do you find the courage to kind of put yourself into those competitions while also dealing with the pressure academically? Um, I think I've, I managed to fall quite... Um, managed to fall into writing specifically because basically any other form of creativity, like, it's... They could, like, my, my family were able to, like, spot and stop uh, um, more easily. Whereas with writing, like, they can't tell if I'm doing homework or if I'm, like, writing. Mm. <laughs> so that's, like, a good it. way of, like, getting Secret. around it. Um, exactly. It's like Footloose. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually seen the movie. But for writing. But, uh, yes, I was a uh, Footloose, but for writing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Am I, am I Kevin Spacey? Is it even Kevin Spacey who's in that movie? No, it's Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Spacey. Make a Kevin Spacey. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no! Kevin Spacey's the bad one. Oh life. no! But, <laughs> oh no! I messed up. I'm sorry. You just put an image in all of our heads. <laughs> sorry, everyone. <laughs> it's just two white men whose name began with Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was massively sidetracked. What was I saying? Um, yeah. So um, I don't know. I mean, I was very lucky. Like my English, my English teachers at school were always very supportive of my writing. Um, I remember shout out to Miss L in particular who um, <laughs> gave me that uh, opportunity for the Guardian newspaper um, in the first place and okay. was always very supportive of me and would like read my drafts yeah. and things like that and just like even like years after I left the school she would, she would just like ask to see how I was doing how my writing was going which was very sweet that's amazing was really lovely. and yes yeah, so all my English teachers have been very supportive and would like show me opportunities and things like that and I don't know, like, I just, like, you just, like, have to write. Like, for me, like, I just have to write. Um, so I would, like, do my academic work. And then I remember doing a lot of my writing in the summer holidays. Like, I was crazy self-disciplined mm. at the time. Like, I would wow. get up, like, 7, 8 a.m. or something like that on the summer holiday and just, like, write wow. solidly. For, in the summer holidays. Just write oh solidly gosh, for, wow. like, an hour, two hours or so, like, every day. Wow, you really had a passion for it then. That's such like a a characteristic to aspire to. I wish (laughs) I was that self-disciplined as a teenager. Dude, I didn't. I woke up and I. I don't even know why I did some. I didn't do anything, man. (laughs) I think it was it was very much like a time for back then. It was like it was it was really like a form of escapism because like you know you have this like very Mm -hmm. strict upbringing and then a very strict um regimen at school as well and then like that's kind of the only way to kind of like like escape mm-hmm. and like it was mm-hmm. a proper um dead poet society situation it sounds like i still haven't watched that film either what <laughs> oh you should watch that film. i keep meaning to you I, poet. I know i know i'm a i'm a scam you've not heard you've not stood up on the table and sh- like said coffee it's always coffee diem is that is that from Dutch from the yeah. yeah i'll do it i'll do it next time i'm out <laughs> i'll just jump on i mean up. speaking speaking of poetry you are you don't just write but like you performed them like live yes. as well and stuff yes um and on video yeah uh it's kind of yeah i never expected it like back in school um so 
yeah, like back in school, I had to give up drama and acting quite early in a form of performance by the time I was like 14 or so, uh, because creativity wasn't allowed. Um, <laughs> just seeing your way through some trauma. <laughs> <laughs> That's the you way to do what you gotta do. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I mean, like, at that time of recording, I just got news this week that I got accepted to the National Youth Theatre, which is... Yeah, congratulations. congratulations. So much. Wow. It's, it's, yeah, it's mad. It's been a mad journey to, like, get to this stage, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in the National Youth Theatre. <laughs> what? Did you always want to, like, act, though? I remember really, really loving it. And then um, the last thing I got to do was the... um, I got to play Ariel in The Tempest. Um, It was part Mm -hmm. of the Shakespeare School Festival. And I basically... My friends said, like, oh, come along to this workshop. Like, just come along. And then I went, and then they cast me as Ariel. And I was like, yes, they've cast me, which means that my parents can't pull me out of it because if they want to do that, they'll have to come and speak to the teacher themselves and they are not going to wow. do that. So I got cut. <laughs> and it's a, it's a, it was a, a fairly major role in The Tempest as well. Yeah. So I was like, yes. Uh, <laughs> Is Tempest a long one? Sorry? I don't really know my Shakespeare. I don't really know my Shakespeare. Is Tempest long? We did a shortened version of um, Oh, for okay. the for the Shakespeare School <laughs> Festival, but I remember doing that, and that was so much fun. But that was also like the last role I played, and at the time I thought that was the last role I'd ever play. And then I kind of like had to make my peace with that as much as I could, and and just kind of get through my academic side, and go for university, etc. Like I tried to kind of get back into it when I was at university, but like. So Exeter is notorious for being very white middle class. And so you yeah. kind of, yeah. you dip your toes in these drama societies or like you go over a taster session and it's all these kids that have done years and years of drama workshops, of musical theatre at schools. They've done all the school plays, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, they come from a background where they can't understand that, like, what do you mean yeah. you weren't allowed to do what you wanted <laughs> so it's very difficult going into those environments and then like trying to learn because they've done it so naturally for so many years that like they don't quite understand why you're starting from zero at the age of like 18 19 20 um so then i thought oh maybe maybe it just isn't for me it's too late for me now um mm-hmm. or i don't like have a natural talent etc um, and then I did a poetry competition run by the BBC and Apples and Snakes and a whole bunch of amazing organisations came together to run Words First. And um, we had, so I got into the London cohort and um, there were 12 of us, I believe, and the workshops were run by the very amazing Rachel Long, who is just this phenomenal poet. And um, it was such a lovely, warm, safe group. And Rachel is just an amazing person herself. And um, just kind of like through those workshops, I just kind of realized like, oh no, oh no, I'm not okay with having given up acting. And there's a whole, Uh, I've written a whole poem about it and I performed it throughout the Words First um, uh, performances. So I ended up in the top six last year, basically. And it's actually printed in the anthology. So if you want to read it, you gotta (laughs) gotta buy the book. (laughs) It's called Use Words First um, and it's with Wrecking Ball Press and uh, Owner Publishing, uh, the two of them combined for that. Um, But yeah, and then after that, I kind of realised, oh, okay, so what do I do now? Because I'd been kind of like doing a lot of performance poetry and Mm -hmm. spoken words, so like I would go to a lot of open mics at London. I was also starting to get booked for uh, bigger gigs, so like I would headline things. Um, I did a festival at one point that was kind of mad, but like amazing. I also um, did a major project with the Barbican Centre with the Barbican Young Poets in collaboration with Boy Blue Entertainment, who are this incredible dance group. And we did like a poetry theatre dance show, which was cool. phenomenal. It was wow. phenomenal, but that was also a contribu- massive contributing factor into like, I really love theatre, I really miss like this kind of stage performance um so yeah Um, what is it what is it about um (laughs) performance and and language um that you're that attracts you so much like what is it that you love so much about it Mm, i think a big part of it is that so i'm like 
naturally quite a quiet person, particularly in school. I was that's very, really, very quiet. That's so difficult to believe because you're very, yeah, you're you very personable now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a very, very long journey. Like I remember having to actively work like work at it because I was very introverted very shy also in hindsight I think I just had a lot of anxiety as well like yeah. natural anxiety yeah. um and so I just really wasn't confident in speaking I remember being very young and like just barely speaking to anyone at all and I just kind of really worked at it um consciously to try to like you know find tools to kind of deal with it and also just kind of get better at it but also I was like very very quiet and I also felt like I wasn't heard most of the time particularly mm-hmm. with like loud kids mm-hmm. and stuff like that and there was like like people have a habit of like interrupting me when I'm trying to speak like I'll start talking and like I don't talk often so mm-hmm. like when I start talking like be quiet but instead I start talking and then the people just interrupt yeah. um and then that just makes me even more quiet yeah um but with like performance and with speaking with poetry like you get like at like at least three five minutes of just uninterrupted time to just mm. talk and be yeah. heard and cool. no one can interrupt you um unless yeah. you do something horrendous and the hosts kick you off which has never happened to me but i've seen it happen to other people oh i did not know or, you get kicked off um, once at an open mic night, so it's always a risk, bless the um, organisers, but it's always a risk when you run open mic nights that someone's going to come up and do an incredibly problematic poem. And one time that mm. happened, um, oh. well, several times it's happened, but like a particular incident, someone got up and did just a really awful poem and uh, the mm. host kind of kicked him off. Wait, what was it about? Calm down the crowd. Sorry? What was it about? <sighs> just this guy thinking he was going to be really edgy and oh, no. like oh, you know and like just did a poem like kind of glorifying violence essentially like pretending he was some kind of american psycho figure and like we're tired we don't want this we we're done like you're not edgy or cool for doing this yeah. <laughs> wow i guess it's but, not yeah. just comedian edgy comedians that have that problem then it's also edgy poets. Yeah, we we yes. had a we had a conversation in another episode about comedians who call themselves edgy when actually they're just being problematic. problematic. Yeah. You got to think about your your comedy like if you're if you're like if it's just a joke like who are you trying to make laugh and at whose expense? And is that yeah. really that funny? That's a that's a great way of putting what we talked about. <laughs> So I was curious because obviously with all your writing, you've been very successful with it, with winning all these competitions and um, <laughs> and it's amazing. I'm so proud of you. And I love hearing, especially like Asians, because I know how hard it is for us to get into the creative industry in terms of like our family fighting back against it. Um, but I'd love to hear your family's reactions as to when you won these competitions and you were getting more and more successful with it were, were, was it something that they were really happy about and like proud of and would boast about or would they still constantly remind you like this is great but like remember law like that kind of thing <laughs> um so ooh, so i actually haven't told them about like national youth theater or the words first bbc thing oh, wow. etc um because so with like all all the stuff i was doing in my teens like Mm. i never had a very positive reaction to it i remember one time um i yeah i got selected as part of like this anthology with like all the local schools in my area and there was like a little like ceremony event um at one of the local colleges and uh yeah i remember them just kind of like just refusing to take me to it and then eventually they took me to it um were deliberately late um so i arrived extremely late Mm. and that was a deliberate action on their half Mm. um and yeah and then me being upset that like we were so massively late and they had to like completely change like the running order just to like fit me in so i would like go on stage and pick up my anthology and would be like like just upset not like yelling and then like, like they could tell us upset yeah and then they were like why do you think you're so special 
like <gasps> what's what's oh. wrong with you so just kind of from that i've like chosen to not involve them in my successes because if that's your reaction to my successes then um, it's not worth kind of putting myself through that process yeah, again sure. and again and again just so they might give me some approval and validation mm-hmm. so yeah like nowadays i just kind of don't tell them and don't involve them in that stage because it's not necessary yeah um i was talking about this um to someone else before but um essentially it's been a long journey of kind of like making your peace with that you're not always going to get your family's approval you're not always going to get certain people's approvals or validations in what you do and you have to be like okay with that yeah Mm -hmm. so i've kind of gotten to a point where like it would be nice but I don't need, need it, it and I don't crave it. I'm not constantly searching for it. Um, it's very much like with anything I do and any bit of art that I put out publicly, like anyone in the public, anyone who comes across it, they can choose to engage with it or not engage with it, like it or dislike it, like it's a choice. And that's the same thing with family responses. Like my family, just because they're my family doesn't mean they have to engage and have to like my work, which might mm-hmm. be shocking to <laughs> a lot of people. Um but um yeah they're they're kind of just like kind of the general public. Like they do not have to like or engage with my work. Like it's their choice to do so. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's a really difficult, but like you said, necessary decision that a lot of For sure, yeah. um, like creative Asians have to make um, to kind of separate that part of your life. Um, mm. And like you can still have a good relationship, but it, it can be separate from your yeah. family life. That's a really important thing for people to remember what you were saying about you don't have to live for anyone's approval. Otherwise, you're you're living against someone else's standards. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's you're never going to be happy if you're constantly mm-hmm. chasing someone's validation because then you might get it one time, but then you're like, okay, I've made this new thing. Do they still value me now? Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if that approval comes from yourself and you know you've done it well, then you're going to be much freer in mm-hmm. your creativity and just in your general life. Like you're not constantly searching for. Um, someone to tell you it's okay or it's good mm-hmm. like you know it's okay you know it's good mm-hmm. and then you can kind of just get on with things yeah it's kind of it's, it's a problem though because in your mind you want to be 100% free and outgoing and like not give a shit about people's opinions on your art and you know your creativity but then you have to make money which then mm. means you have to get people's approval and validation on your stuff <laughs> to so they can pay you for it which is like yeah. it really fucks with your brain i think sometimes because you want to be independent but also you need to be dependent on money yeah 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 it's been all right so far because kind of like with with everything you do like there will be an audience for it unless you write even if you write something or do something incredibly niche like there is still going to be an audience for it um so like it's fine like i keep thinking of like you know asmr videos and how (laughs) weird and niche it is Uh yeah um and yet it's like this massive so i uh i'm running out of breath (laughs) 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 but yeah asmr videos have become this massive viral thing and it's so niche. It's so, yeah. it's so weird. When it became a thing, I was so surprised. Like, what? I didn't know that this was a thing. It's um, been like a subgenre on YouTube for years, yeah. and it just became very mainstream. But even back then, there was an audience. But there was for a it. was it last year in the Super Bowl? Terry Kravitz did an ASMR ad for like a beer company. Yeah. Really? Have you seen that? No. I have not seen that. No. Basically, she like sits at a table it's a green screen behind her but on the green screen there's like mountains or whatever and then she does the whole ASMR thing it's like so today we're gonna try this beer and then she like rolls it around the table and like opens it taps on the glass and taps on the glass and then she has a really nice voice but it's just like damn ASMR has gone mainstream in this case because this is a Super Bowl ad yeah but going back going back to you again oh yeah I mean, I can talk about Zoe Kravitz as much as we want, but I guess Chrissy's here, so. <laughs> and your low budget Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> Sorry, what, what were we well, talking well, about? Yeah, let's go oh. back to what we were um, talking about. Yeah, so what, 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 what were we on just then? Oh, on about validation? 
yeah validation well yeah, I, honestly you, I really ooh. yeah Sorry. Go on. Go on, Jeff. I was going to say that I really admire you for that because I think for me personally, that's been a struggle that I've had like my entire life. I've mm. a similar journey to you that my parents also were like suggestive of going towards the law route. I was also going into Oxbridge um, and I applied mm-hmm. for it and everything. So I have a lot, yeah, a lot of admiration for you and seeing oh, how you. you got to that place. I think it's extremely um brave i mean it shouldn't it shouldn't like i hate the i hate the fact of ever saying like oh it's brave of you to do that because it shouldn't be a brave decision it should be something that people can just do um but i do think you're very brave um where i I am in my life to be able to see that i think yeah it's it's not like i'm really glad that um i've been able to speak to you to I went to a lot of counselling <laughs> <laughs> that is also something many people should consider it was, um, <clears throat> it was very useful yeah um, so I'm really interested to know because poetry photography performance they're so deeply personal and like you dredge up so many things precious to you but at the same time when we're in the creative industry we have to like connor said keep in mind we have to make money to live and this is a career and we have to think about it with that hat on as well how do you balance those two things i mean with poetry i i've never felt like i had to like write something popular Mm -hmm. or whatever i've been given a lot of like just kind of freedom to just kind of do whatever and as long as it's not like derogatory or contains a lot of defamation or whatever like it generally gets signed off and it's fine um like i'll be given a brief and then i i choose to accept or decline the brief Mm -hmm. so i like can pick and choose my commissions and things like that um and yeah with performances so when i do poetry and stuff again as long as it's not like they're not going to get sued for it um like it's fine Mm-hmm. So I've never really had that issue. Photography, so I do a lot of people's portraits. And um, that's always been like a collaboration with me and the person I'm taking photos of. So like mm-hmm. um, like a, an odd specialty, an odd special skill that I've discovered is that I just tended to work with people who hate having their photos taken, which is very ironic. Um, <laughs> but then like due to their circumstances or whatever like they now need to have decent photos taken so they contact me and something i work with them is a kind of like a big thing i do is kind of building up their confidence during the shoot and i kind of like bring out their personality and things like that so it's always been a collaboration on that aspect not so much like just me and my vision it's like what do you want and what do you want to see from these photos and how do you want to feel Mm. so yeah that's pretty cool how did you get into photography uh, I've always taken photos, like, ever since I've gotten, like, the brick phones with mm. the camera. Like, I've always just been taking photos. Um, I think at the time I wanted to, like, take photos to then, like, draw from later on. Um, but I just really liked taking photos. Um, I found, like, um, some, like, my archives of, like, all the old photos I've taken. And they date back to, like, I don't know, when I was, like, 12 or 13 or so there's so many but there's very few photos of me (laughs) because I was always on taking photos my friends wouldn't take them um and then from there it was just kind of yeah just through taking photos on like your phone you kind of learn about framing and composition Mm -hmm. and then you kind of move up equipment so I got like a bridge camera when I was in university and that was just kind of like the higher quality like a big step up from a phone camera and now I use a DSLR and yeah I mean I just always really loved taking photos of people that's always been my big mm-hmm. main focus and then I just kind of I did a lot of teaching myself basically like YouTube bless up um, just watching <laughs> so many tutorials on how to use Photoshop and how to like take photos properly and use all the things and lenses and aperture and all that stuff so yeah that's cool. I mean, I think people who don't choose to learn photography, like I'm going to be a great photographer and just like take pictures and then eventually be like, oh, Ooh. I'm actually all right at that. They, I feel like, have the most, not innocent pictures, but like, like truest ones, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like 
I think I know what you're like trying to get at. They're not trying to make a cool photo. They just take good pictures, like, naturally. What did you say? Would you say writing is still, like, your true passion? Um, I'd say so, yeah. It's, like, it's still my main thing. Um, mm. Always. I, um, just, I just really like doing photos on the mm. side as well. Um, that's kind of, like, a, a side secondary yeah, income. So, do you take pictures at VidCon in London? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I used to write for a uh, magazine called 1080 Magazine, and they focus on YouTube and online news and all that stuff. Um, so I would like help them out um, during Summer in the City, which is the big YouTube convention in the summer. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would help them out by taking loads of photos, basically, for their content. Yeah, okay. That makes sense, I guess. But um, yeah, so recently, like due to this whole lockdown thing, you mm. started a uh, you started a hit show on Instagram Live. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah, viral show. Um, it goes on for a long time. You like you like really you interview a lot of people for a long time on that show. I don't know how you do I it. Um, well, I think it's it's um, so doing all those interviews with Ten Eighty Magazine. Um, it has like given me a lot of practice and helped me learn a lot in how to like interview people essentially i've also done a few panels uh panel hosting a panel moderating at ten, at um summer city as well so the live streams they tend to happen on sunday nights and at f- i think for the first one i brought on like it, i live streamed for like hours and i brought on loads of guests like eight or nine or something like that and nowadays i bring on four people so we live stream for two hours um each person gets a half hour slot Mm. um so yeah Yeah, i mean that's just like a nice way to kind of cope with lockdown for me to like also chat with people have a nice Mm. uh space where we don't talk about the virus for once and we just talk about our creativity and also just kind of share and showcase like look these are all my my cool friends and this is what they're doing (laughs) Yeah. You have to check them out. I'm so yeah. amazed and impressed by the efforts I see from loads of different people um, mm. to cope with with what's happening right now. It's making me very feel very positive about about humans. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. We need that. How do you How do you feel about your creativity in like weird times like this? Do you feel because I know there's like basically two camps. Like people get really down. And they find it really hard to spark anything because they're like, uh, like the world is shit. What's the point of it? Or Mm. do you like kind of take it and be like, I have all this time now. I'm going to be super creative and create like my best work. Um, hmm. I mean, mostly like I've always had like a lot of like projects that I've kind of have been thinking about, but never really like found time to kind of go deep into so i'm kind of having that time to do that now which is quite nice um also like like writing and creativity has always been a form of escapism for me and a way to kind of like um kind of mentally check out of the current reality <laughs> and just kind of focus on something and like a nice distraction as well um so yeah i mean like i do still get moments of just sheer existential dread because we are (laughs) in a global pandemic yeah (laughs) and i'm like oh my gosh but like very luckily a lot of my work can be done kind of remotely and Mm -hmm. in very isolated circumstances but like it's still in some you get times where it's just like i wanna i wanna go outside i'm so tired of being inside and writing all the time because a big part of poetry uh in london is like all the open mic nights and going to the shows and seeing people and being in that environment and being in that community um and then kind of like not having that is very sad i've never been to open mic night for like spoken word or poetry is it neither Neither. i've always wanted to go what is the vibe go together guys i would love to the only thing i know genuinely be so interested in doing this yeah well not no but the only the only like um perspective i have on it is from goofy movie what? <laughs> the what sorry a goofy movie i don't know that you know what are you Wait, not a disney I do, person by the way like the Every, everyone i do i swear i do watch movies i just haven't watched the ones corner <laughs> <laughs> you know you know you know goofy like from disney yes 
You I don't know, know he, he had a movie. He has two movies. They're, oh he my has God. two? They're like childhood, like, classics. Actually, I think I might have one, watched them. The one where one, he has a kid. Yeah, they're both kind of centered around his relationship with his son. Yeah. He has children? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Christy, get Disney Plus and watch it. <laughs> but basically, yeah, it's like, it's a stereotypical, um, like, early 2000s, late 90s vibe of spoken poetry where they're all, like, dressed in black and click and stuff. <laughs> With berets. Yeah, with berets. That's my that's my view on like there's no um, there's no berets, but there is clicking. Is there, the clicking there, the clicking there is thing clicking. is real. The clicking thing's real. It's um you it it can be a bit strange when you've like heard it for the first time because we're very often used to performances where like you sit in complete silence throughout mm-hmm. a performance and then you clap and cheer at the end. Um, but it's really nice as a performer and also as an audience the community to like be responding throughout because then mm. um, when you're performing you know like okay this line worked, this line didn't work, this line had this particular effect. Um, and it's also just really nice like people are supporting you and actively like there for you throughout the whole piece. It's so, like, the, like uh, yeah. the physical live version of, of pressing the like button during a live yes. stream and you get the <laughs> go up uh, i was thinking like it's like the hype you know like hype man's during a rap battle like when they say a sick line like oh it's like that yeah, but like some kind of noise to show clicking. appreciation yeah. but that's the whole audience basically you, you're allowed to be like quite vocal in your responses you can cheer you can whoop you can just go mm-hmm and make little clicking <laughs> noises is it is it it's like a chill vibe or is it because it does get quite intense depends uh which night you go because um, it's often down to like the hosts and how they kind of curate the lineup and kind of what energy open micers bring but generally like each night kind of has its own personality um, but like like overall uh, open mics and the poetry scene and it's incredibly chill very warm very very welcoming um, whether it's like a new timer or an old timer like everyone is incredibly supportive and very very much like you walk into like this lovely family vibe and even if you don't know anyone like it's very easy to kind of make friends in that kind of atmosphere i am 110 percent so down Once if you want to invite lockdown. us let's do this yeah <laughs> is there is great. there like a lot of other asians do you see a lot of other asians there like performing or in the audience so not a huge amount of east asians basically every time we see each other we're like oh my gosh we are gonna become <laughs> best one. friends right now let's swap instas this yeah. very second <laughs> like there really isn't a huge amount like i've been doing this since like 2016 i've maybe come across six east asian poets now really um really not a lot i mean mm. it's it's quite diverse in london the poetry scene so we have a lot of um black and brown poets as well um but there just isn't a lot of east asians mm. and i'm looking i am searching if y'all are listening to this please <laughs> please get in, get, in <laughs> get in my dms yeah let's, let's get all, in my dms get all the poets together east asian poets <laughs> yeah because i've never i've only seen there's that one asian american guy that did like it was shared around like in early tumblr days i think um oh no he, he's really fantastic he was on bottom poetry um mm-hmm. i think his last name is dang i think so it's gonna but really annoy me gonna, i don't know if he's the up. same guy but he, um there was one that basically started off with like the building of the railways and yeah that's the one I'm thinking yeah, of. yeah yeah and i was like damn this is deep because i never thought of that stuff and i was Alex like oh. dang yeah, yeah that's, that's his name. name he's a guy yeah and I thought, oh, is that I thought East because there's a lot East Asian poets. They could do a lot of like sound-based stuff, I guess, because Asian-sounding stuffs just sound like sounds to white people. But I searched it. On, <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I searched it on like YouTube. That's really it's very difficult to find. Yeah, I mean, like we, I mean, just for like me, like we have so many obstacles just to get into the space and into this. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of people I've met. Um, who are East Asian poets or East Asian writers um, they're kind of only just starting to get into it now in their like mid kind of 20s because they've had to like kind of go through the uni route go through the career route and Mm -hmm. then start like finding ways to kind of get creative because like they have kind of the most liberty now and they're kind of in the space now to be able to pursue that so yeah 
but I think that I think that's one of the many barriers kind of what for us think, to kind of get into it. What do you think mm-hmm. there's like what do you think there's so difficult in all these barriers? I mean there's so many personal barriers that we face oh, yeah? um that a lot of our counterparts do not face. Um, so it's it's a huge amount of kind of emotional work that you have to mm-hmm. kind of work through in order to just kind of get to the space where you say yes to yourself. And then you got to start writing and then you got to start doing the creative work and then you got to start like building yourself up and build your name up, etc. Um, so there's just like, it's a, it's a very long road to kind of get to the same place where a more kind of privileged, supported person might have gotten. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it's the same in, in the poetry world um, because me and me and Connor um, are more residents within like the film industry in the film world. And it must be the same thing where once you are, once you feel like you're in the room, um, it's about fighting to f- f- have that feeling inside you where you belong in that room and, yeah. and fight the whole imposter syndrome and yeah. and your remind yourself that your achievements makes you belong in this room even Mm. though it doesn't seem like your face does yeah it's also very hard when you're always the only person who looks like you in the room Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm very very consistently the only east asian in the room and almost certainly the only east asian woman in the room yeah um just i consider any any sphere of creativity i enter that's very often the case so it's a lot of like no, I gotta, I gotta stay here. And also, you gotta open doors for others as well. That's very important. Like people who you, you can't be like going into or moving up and pulling up the ladder behind you. Like that ain't right. Yeah. So yeah. A lot of I know a lot of Asians do that though, because I mean, we're taught to be quite competitive. I feel like from a young age, like to for be sure. like you know get on top, be the best, or basically like win. So if you transferred all of that, like how you're raised into being creative and then because we're already so far and few between you kind of have this like nagging auntie in the back of your head being like why are you letting that other asian person also come up with you if you yeah, leave them they down might there end up getting better at it yeah if you leave them down there yeah. then you'll be the only choice for these white people yeah, uh, that, yeah, yeah. that's something it's really to be fought with some compassion towards each other mm-hmm. bringing each other up Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we, we don't need to create more barriers for one another. We need to work as a team. Exactly. I mean, like, if if you like, do you really want to be the only person who looks like you in the room? Because, like, I remember, like, so Amani Saeed is a phenomenal poet. She um, is Pakistani, and um, she also went to Exeter University with me as well. She was she, I think, either co-founded or was a major part of. Um, the spoken word society that I was part of and she shared how like she was kind of kind of building herself up in poetry in her early days and then another poet in Bristol kind of reached out to her and was like oh hey it's amazing to see another you know South Asian woman who is making it in poetry and she shared Amani shared out of like how she felt like oh my gosh there's another brown girl doing poetry but like that's my thing like I have competition now uh-huh. but she worked through it and realized like oh no I am so much stronger and better when like all of us come together and build each other yeah. up and that's really valuable and also if you you're very much playing by um like white people white supremacy the white man's rules. game the white, man. the white man's game <laughs> yeah. when they have decreed there can only be one yeah. one poc person in the room and now y'all have to fight each other in order to get that space whereas it's much more revolutionary to be like no there can be loads of us in fact we're gonna take over the whole room the whole room is ours now <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna take over now it's ours now thank you thank you <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you. And I, I think more people should understand that, like, if, if we fight each other, it means we're, we're, we're losing sight of Not the just actual game. within one groups of people. I think, like, altogether, people of colour in general, should, if, like, if someone, if someone person of colour is up, it will help the rest of the minorities also come up, you know? Because there's mm. a lot of besides infighting there's a lot of fighting like amongst the groups of people of colour 
which I think yeah. is. I mean, we all get lumped under the the classic BAME label, yeah. Um, yeah. and then we're kind of expected to like, oh, you're all BAME, you know, you must have exactly the same experiences, you must totally relate to each other, yeah. absolutely. I'm like, like we'll have parallels, but we're not gonna be the same person. Like, I, how can you expect me, um, like a Hong Kong born girl, to have? exactly the same experiences as like my jamaican friend who is a young black man living in london like mm-hmm. we're not gonna have exactly the same shared experiences but we both fall under the BAME bracket yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, on that note, I would love, love, love to carry on talking to you. Uh, and I think there's so much more we can talk about uh, you and, and your work and your thoughts. But um, we're on a little time. Well, I'm on, <laughs> on a little time crunch. So we're going to start having to wrap up this episode. Um, Is there anything you want to plug? Yeah. Oh, oh or shoot, shout I should have prepared for this. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the best way to kind of connect with me is on my social media. So I'm quite active on, at the moment, Instagram and Twitter are like my two mains. So I'm at Cuckoo Doodles, K U K A Doodles. Say that you're pretty funny on Twitter. Oh, like, you've got <laughs> <thank> jokes. You. <laughs> <laughs> right, so my... you have Connor's recommendation <laughs> to follow thank you, you on thank Twitter. You. I'll put that in my bio now. Yeah, I think <laughs> pretty funny. Um, I also have a website uh, it's christykoo.co.uk so it's christ with a y k-u that's how you spell my name Um, christ with a y k-u yep the the number of people who still spell my name wrong when I say christ with a y I'm like Jesus is disappointed in you (laughs) but yeah that's where you can find and connect with me awesome um, thank you yeah, so much so, for um, agreeing to come on today and sharing your story um, it was very enlightening and I'm really looking forward to going to some of your shows yeah we're going to come as hype men now to your next oh, show too you. not the only East Asian face in the room yes and thank we will you. definitely hold on to that yeah. we're doing that for sure once, once it all um, opens up again yeah well thank you so much for having me and inviting me it's been so fun thank yeah. you uh, and Jem so where can they find us so you guys can find us on Instagram at rice is rice pod on Twitter at rice is rice underscore pod and on YouTube at rice is rice awesome so you can catch us every Wednesday next Wednesday we will talk about something else <laughs> like podcasts do yeah okay. and don't forget to get some rice in life guys bye bye <laughs> bye Bye.